Welcome back. It's Locked On NFL Draft, and we have some games to go over, both the college football playoff as well as some other bowl games. What happened, and has anything changed? A lot of opt-outs, a lot of things to cover. Welcome to Locked On NFL Draft. You are Locked On NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Locked On NFL Draft. I'm your host, former NFL and NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Tracy at Ryan NFL Tracy at Ryan Tracy NFL on Twitter. Make sure you guys follow us there. I'm at Eric underscore Crocker as well. We want to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Numbers going up. We appreciate that. We can tell it's getting closer to draft time. You guys are interested in a lot of these draft prospects, man. And we're getting into it today. We want to talk about the performance of Aiden Hutchinson. And really, a lot of people kind of kind of souuring on him a little bit. Are you are you are you getting a sense that that's what's going on? At least on, you know, well. with draft Twitter, draft media, and fans that are you know paying attention to the bowl games. Yeah, and I'm what I'm trying to to decipher is this: is it legit? Should they be should draft Twitter or anybody else really be concerned? Because I'm not sure the teams are. Did you want to see a dominant performance like you saw earlier in the season? Towards the end, you felt like he was cresting there right at the end of the regular season. Yeah, you would have liked to have seen that. But did it do anything really to drop his stock from a week to week thing? For the NFL teams, I'm not so convinced of that. Right. I mean, there are a lot of people. I'm not sure exactly. I mean, you talked about just they probably just wanted to see him make plays. And early on, he made this play on the screen. And I was like, wow, like that was a big time play that he made. And it seemed like, okay, he's going to be getting in a rhythm. We're going to see a big game, a big performance out of him. A guy who wants to solidify himself as the number one edge in his class with Thibodeau in the same class as well. And he's been a guy who's kind of been edge one the whole time as a late that started to shift a little bit. But after this game, I kind of put out a filler on Twitter, and I'm like, hey, is it a foregone conclusion that Aiden Hutchinson is going to be the number one pick over Thibodeau? And after that game, I mean, I'd say it was probably a 90% no, where they're kind of really jumping off of the bandwagon just as fast as they jumped on the bandwagon when it came to Aiden Hutchinson. And you and I, I mean, you know, we, we, we saw him. Everybody saw him and what he was doing and how he was dominating opposing offensive linemen, really bullying him. And against Mm -hmm. Georgia, he happened to be the one to get bullied more times than not. And really, I mean, there's been other games, and I know he had a huge game against Ohio State, but even outside of that, he was a very impactful player. Mm -hmm. I There was no impact in the playoff game with everyone watching. Yeah, I I was a little disappointed in that myself. It it felt like he went from playing at like 265 to 245. It just, it, there wasn't that impact, that oomph behind his rush. And like you said, it, it was a nice play, but it, it's good to see him do something or make a play that stands out that isn't necessarily a pass rush. But at the end of the day, that's what you're being graded on. And normally I would say for the NFL, they have this, this full film compliment over a guy's career in college, and they're not going to have the ups and downs. But for Hutchinson, given his history, given his 2020 season was non-existent, to have this like phenomenal season, then be soured at the last point. He's one of the few prospects that I think might actually, it might play a factor for me. I don't think that it does because I think at the end of the day, 
playing in an NFL defense rather than being the focus, being you know the guy, I think he'll have a, a much better, a much smoother transition because the effort isn't going to be placed on him as the focal point of what an offense is trying to attack or protect from. So I'm going to give it a grain of salt. I don't know what happens. And as you guys heard in the mock draft yesterday, I kind of played the overreactionary role. It's not actually my opinion, but I think that it could be for some. What I want to ask you is, you know, with no more games left, I mean, this guy, he's going off to the NFL. Is there anything that he can do to maybe give people more confidence that he is that guy, right? I mean, you know, maybe a senior bowl. And I, I'd assume he's not going a guy that's yeah. projected to be drafted so high. But we've seen it more times than not. We see it with quarterbacks. They, they'll go to the senior bowl even if they're kind of projected to go higher. I don't think he'll go there. But how can he maybe quiet some of the doubters? Is it just go out and blow away the entire draft process from, you know, the combine and just really show he has, you know, elite movement skills? Or is it just, hey – this is just a one-off with this game, and we're and we're gonna have to look at what he's done up until this point. We're gonna look at his overall body of work, like he said, and really go through what he's done throughout this year, as opposed to just one game. I think for me, the big thing is, you know, so he got dominated by big dogs, and that's not something that you typically want to see. And right. later in the in in the playoff games, we got a chance to see another guy. That was extremely dominant, all right? We're going to get to him and others when we get back from this break real quick. But first, we want to talk to you guys about GetUpside. We want to tell all of our Locked On NFL Draft fans, you guys know, man, it's your host, former NFL and AFL defensive back, Eric Crocker, and I'm here with an incredible app that everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called GetUpside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time that they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in your app store or Google Play store right now and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN. All right, and you're going to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at a pump ever again. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 50% off a gallon of cash back on your first tank. And again, with those type of incentives, 50 cents off, you need to fill up that tank as well. Some people who drive a lot more are making up to two, $300 cash back per month. I mean, that's crazy. And the craziest part about it is there's no catch. That cash back is added right to your account. You can use, you know, you can cash out at any time using your bank account, your PayPal, your e-gift card, your Amazon cards, whatever it is that you use, but just make sure you use this app. Download it right now for free. Get upside and use the promo code touchdown to get 50 50 cent get on a gallon cash back on your first tank again that's promo code touch down get that cash back i'm telling you man that cash back makes a big difference because <laughs> i started using it we we say these things and we read these ad reads some you know and they encourage us to use them i finally used it about a month ago and i haven't looked back ever since i'm saving a ton of money on gas yeah, All right, here we go, guys. My tank's 35 gallons. So before we go on to that <laughs> next game, though, I do want to go back to Hutchinson because you, you asked a good question. There are two things that I think he can do to improve his stock after, after what wasn't his greatest game, right? One, it is to come out, be prepared, and test off the charts like we expect. But that's not breaking through or doing something new. That's hitting expectation. I think that's important for him. In particular, it's going to be about – the explosive movements and the change of direction things. So if you can show that your three cone is elite at the next level, that takes some of the sting of playing against SEC competition out because you can see that you have the athleticism to progress at the next level. And I think that's going to be a fallback position for some of the teams. The other thing that you did mention – 
I'd like to see him go to the senior bowl. He doesn't have to practice. He doesn't have to play. I'd like to see him be there, show his personality to other players that are going to be in this league who might be playing with him, show that he can be a leader as well. So I, I think that could be a step, maybe the opposite of the opting out of actual games. Maybe you opt in as a, as a sideline participant in the senior bowl. I don't, sorry, Jim Nagy, if that ends up happening, I, I'm sure you won't like that, but I think it could be useful. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we see that all the time, guys, that are seniors and are projected to go high and still go. I mean, just last year, uh, you had Smitty, uh, Devontae Smith out of Alabama. You know, he was a top 10 receiver, top 10 pick, uh, projected to maybe even go a little bit higher than that. And he still showed up. Now, he didn't participate, mm -hmm. but he showed up, showed himself. And we'll see if Ada Hutchinson indeed does show up. And there was another game, and we want to talk about that, the the – the earlier game, it was Cincinnati against Alabama. And a lot of people wanted to know how is Alabama or Cincinnati going to play with Alabama? And I would say the score, the final score, it got out of hand a little late. I'd mm -hmm. say early on, it looked like maybe Cincinnati had some type of a chance, but they never had a chance. It was a dominant performance by Alabama, really the entire way. The score looked a little closer than how it felt. Some matchups that I was really looking for, to see him was Maje Sanders against Evan Neal, the offensive mm -hmm. tackle for Alabama. And I thought that was a really good performance. You know, we talked about offensive linemen on here and some of the things that we were looking for, and we highlighted three guys. And Evan Neal, as dominant of a guy as he is supposed to be, I, I didn't think that he necessarily displayed that on a consistent basis uh, during the, the, the games that I watched. But watching him against Maje Sanders, a guy – you know, from Cincinnati, a lot of people like. I thought, you know what, he's he's doing well. He's moving well. I thought he finished blocks a little bit better. I mean, for the most part, he was making it to where uh, guys weren't sniffing his quarterback. At least it wasn't his fault. I thought he did a really good job of handling stunts and switches mm -hmm. from the defensive line of Cincinnati. Maybe Cincinnati's that 3-3 uh, defense that they run. Maybe that was, you know, kind of help. But um, I liked Evan Neal and that performance. Was there anything from that game or that matchup that stood out to you? I agree with you from the, the shoulders up. I thought Neal played great and demonstrated what he needed to demonstrate to be the top tackle at the next level. <clears throat> but I will say this. I, I think the 3-3 does have something to do with it. I think that when you get to NFL-level pass rushers, I think there is some athleticism question there. So that didn't get solved for me. I still need to see that in the rest of this process up to the draft. But you're absolutely right in terms of understanding the offense, dealing with stunts, the mental part of the game, I think he was he was tip-top. And kudos to, to Sanders because he was a guy I was looking to see an increased performance against his best competition, the polar opposite of Hutchinson. I thought that he stepped up 10 pressures on the day. Nobody yeah. really got home, so you'd like to see that measurement as well. But I think that that shows that while he's not an elite pass rusher and, and I don't think he should be a top 15 pick, he's one of those guys at the bottom of the first, top of the second, that they're going to say, we've seen him get against elite competition, and he's getting there. He has the ability. We can coach him up to the point where he can actually finish some of those. I thought it was a good day out for him. All right, and when it came to Majay Sanders, you know, I, I – it was good to see him. You talked about the pressures, and he did it in a multiple ways. I mean, it wasn't just one way where, oh, it's just a bull rush or, oh, it's just with speed. You know, I saw spin moves. I saw him, his hands, he was very active. I thought he did a good job, especially when he was rushing uh, the offensive lineman opposite of Evan. I thought he did a good job of moving uh, the young quarterback off of his spot, Bryce, Bryce Young, moving him off of his spot, making him move. He was very active. You saw the long, lean, 
body that I think people are going to be, you know, they're going to be really intrigued by throughout this draft prospect. So, you know, watching him, that was something that was, it was cool to see. I thought he did a really good job. And like you said, maybe, you know, late first, early second, he's a guy that people should really look to. You know, there was another, obviously, you know, with me, loving wide receivers, defensive backs, there was another matchup that I was really focused on. And it was San, uh, excuse me, uh, Jameson Williams against Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. And I want to see how those guys, you know, how they challenged him. And they probably played a little bit more zone than I would have liked. I have to go back and watch. That's going to be one of those games where I have to watch the All-22. Obviously, uh, Jameson Williams, I thought he still had a terrific game. Uh, some of it was like over the middle, deep crossers. You saw a lot of that. There was one play that stood out from Sauce Gardner for me where there's one thing that I call uh, pressure key, visual key. Pressure key is the guy in front of you, especially in zone. This is a zone concept, but pressure key, visual key. Pressure key, guy in front of me, I could touch him. Visual key, I'm reading uh, through this guy to the number two receiver or the back that may potentially come in my side. And they were playing kind of a cover two. He had his hands on his pressure key, which is the guy in front of him. He ran a slant. Uh, he had a, a flare out off of that. He squeezed the slant, got off of that. They threw the ball to the flare route. He came down, chopped the, the uh, receiver down. No yards, no leak yardage. I thought that was something cool to see. Just his, uh, you know, just, all right, let's go. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to get dirty. I'm going to make tackles. I'm going to do whatever I have to do, especially for a longer, leaner cornerback uh, like a sauce gardener. That was really cool to see. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you completely. I remember that play, and I always consider that mental multitasking. It's not instinctual because you're not just dealing with what's in front of you once you're latched on. You have to keep that part of your brain paying attention to what's coming to anticipate that, and I thought that was a really good rep for him. I thought Kobe played really well as well. Like I, I like the physical part of his game a little bit more. Obviously, like you said, Sauce is a little lean, a little thin. That's fine. Against Williams, who who can run away from you. I thought they both played very well. I didn't think that it was an explosive day as, as much as we've seen from Williams in the past. So you have to chop that up to them doing pretty well. But I will say this. I want to say something. Um, Brian Cook had a, a pretty good day out as well. And I think going more of that zone, being able to have guys that can recognize in space, I thought Cook showed himself there well. And I think that did deter some of the things that maybe what Jameson Williams showing his one of his better days about how versatile he can be. I thought that Cook was kind of the, the chess piece back there in the middle that allowed them to try to, to at least answer back. All right. And speaking of backs, when we get back, we're going to talk about a back who I think more people should probably start to kind of pay attention to. I know Jim Nagy, he's the director of the Senior Bowl. He definitely is going to start paying <laughs> a little bit more attention to this guy. And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about him when we get back. All right, Ryan. There's a running back that actually played extremely well. I should pull up his stats because, I mean, they were they were crazy. 204 yards, All right. 7.8 a carry. <laughs> okay, so you know the stats. So we're talking about, you want to tell them who we're talking about here? Uh, Brian Mr. Robinson. Brian Robinson. Back. <laughs> yeah, Brian Robinson, running back out of Alabama. And this is a guy who is a senior. He might even be a super senior. I mean, you know, he's a he is a senior. All right. Uh, 6'1", 225 pounds. He's had some big performances. I think none bigger than what he was able to do against the Cincinnati uh, Bearcats. And just the way that he was doing it, whether it was through the air, his receiving numbers might not really show up because one of the passes that he caught was like a backwards pass and he took off. But he showed pass catching ability, clearly showed run ability, vision. And he's a guy, if he's not already invited to the Senior Bowl, I'm pretty sure everybody 
will be trying to get him to the senior bowl so they can see more of this back on the big stage. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think he showed a, a well-roundedness to his game that I think NFL teams are going to enjoy as well. The question always becomes, what is that worth in the NFL? I think that's going to be an ongoing conversation. And as good as that was, uh, I liked what we saw from Jerome Ford as well, a guy who we've seen be explosive, but I thought he showed a little bit more grit in that ball game, uh, driving a little bit better. I think that was maybe one of the question marks and evaluations for teams for him as well. So you have these two guys, one that is very high profile, had a dominating performance, one that improved in one of his weaker areas, I think, in terms of showing evidence for that. The question becomes, where are they going to go in this draft? I think they're both still outside the top 50, maybe outside the top 75, to tell you the truth. Running backs, they're just not valued. <laughs> they're not right, valued. Right. I, if, if I'm a running back, man, like if you're a kid coming up right now, are you a little discouraged to play the running back position because it's just not valued? You know, we say that, and just last year, there were two running backs that were taken first round. Mm -hmm. But they're replaced so easily. Uh, I mean, shoes. look at a guy like, uh, James Robinson, the running back for Jaguars. He had over a thousand yards as an undrafted rookie free agent to Jacksonville. And what they do, they go out and draft a, a running back first round. So it's weird because that's kind of like contradicting it. It's like, well, we don't care about running backs, even though we have a very productive one. Then we're going to go draft another guy. Then not even play him at running back. You know, we're going to play him at receiver. And then, you know what? Uh, we're going to play him at running oh, torn ACL. I mean, it's just, it's a position. You got to chalk just, that up to I the coach understand. though, right? You know? Yeah, it's it's one thing to project players to the NFL. It's, it's a whole lot harder to project coaches. <laughs> right. And I think the Jaguars found that out, man. But Brian <laughs> Robinson, I, I'm definitely intrigued to see how this whole thing plays out. Sometimes when guys start to get a little bit older and, you know, seniors, teams start to kind of, oh, well, why didn't he come out earlier? Well, why wasn't he getting ticked more? Well, I don't know. Maybe he was because he was behind a guy, Najee Harris, who was the best running back in college football last year and was drafted first round all right but we're going to get to more running backs we're going to get to receivers uh linemen all that good stuff we got some things that we want to talk about on the next episode matt Carell, he had mm -hmm. an injury there's kirk herbstreet there's desmond howard they have some things to talk about when uh, guys opting out we're going to get to that on the next episode of the locked on nfl draft so make sure you guys keep it locked right here but from eric crocker from ryan tracy we are out peace